Good morning. I got the mic right the first time. I don't know if any of you caught that. One button, it's working. Where's Joey? Just kidding. It's got a green light. Well, welcome, New Life. It's good to see you. Uh, my name's Anthony. I'm doing the uh, welcome here. And I was just thinking, it's interesting that we all come to church and we all meet in this one place. And there's so many of us from different backgrounds, um, different jobs, different you know careers. And we all are going through different seasons in life. Uh, we all come from different places. Um, some of us feel close to God. Some of us feel distant from God. Uh, some of us are walking with him daily. Some of us are not. Some of us are in our Bible. Some of us are not. And I have one verse for you that um, it's pretty short, but it's really powerful. And a lot of people probably don't read this this way. They kind of maybe breeze through this one quickly. And it's in Malachi um, 3. And it says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. And the first part of this verse is what I'm really wanting to focus on is, For I am the Lord, I do not change. This is God talking to you, saying, For I am the Lord. And a lot of people will focus on the the unchanging part of this, but I want to zoom in even farther into the part that he says, I am the Lord. So this week in your life, um, God's saying that you are not the Lord. I am. You thought you were alone. I am the Lord. You thought you built a good life. No, I am the Lord. You thought you didn't need me. No, I am the Lord. You thought the abuse you're experiencing will go unpunished. I am the Lord. I do not change. You thought the storm you're in had no end. I am the Lord. You thought your coworkers or your teachers, this is a good one, you thought your coworkers or your teachers could cause you to doubt who I am. I am the Lord. I do not change. You thought your addiction has no escape. I am the Lord, not your sin. You thought this life was all about you and your family. I am the Lord. You thought ignoring me throughout your day was a good idea. For I am the Lord, I do not change. You thought building your own kingdom would bring you true fulfillment. I am the Lord. So, man, that last one is a kicker for me. Um, So uh, one of the songs we're going to sing, the bridge says, Come and consume God, all we are. We give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. We want you. So as we're singing today, think about that. God is telling you, I am the Lord. I don't change. All right, let's stand.
darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring when you walk into the room every heart starts burning nothing matters more than just to sit here at your feet and worship you We 
praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. We sing with all we are and we claim your victory. We won't hold back our prayers. 
sing it with me now. I can't hold back my praise. I can't hold back my praise. I've got to let it out. I can't hold back my praise. Oh, I can't hold back my praise. I've got to let it out. I can't hold back my praise. I can't hold back my praise. I've got to let it out. I can't hold back my praise. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. Don't get too excited to preach and get in the way. <laughs> Let's go ahead and dismiss the kids at this time. Can you hold back your praise? Give him a little shout. Come on, give Jesus a little shout this morning. He's worthy of it. Has he been good to you this week? Has he been God to you this week? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we're just so grateful that we get to gather together this morning to celebrate you. It is about you and for you because of what you do for us. We love you so. In Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, y'all may be seated. Teens are going to stay with us again this week. Probably because of the uh, R rating that was on last week's sermon. I'm glad some of you came back. We're in the second half of that sermon. I wanted to get into Matthew chapter 6, but um, before I get to Matthew chapter 6, I found out that I had to go through Matthew chapter 5 to get to Matthew chapter 6. So we're going to go through Matthew chapter 5, and then we're going to get to Matthew chapter 6 to get to the point. Are you with me? Last week, we talked about how idols are not literally gods that we focus everything on but they're actually gods that we add to another god. So for the Jews, for uh, the early, the people in Jesus' day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, um, for the early church, they wrestled with having a God of salvation and a God of provision. So they would have two. There would be a God of salvation that they worshiped, and his name was Yahweh, and there was a God of provision that they would worship. And it could be Baal, or it could be religion, or it could be their job, or it could be their children. It could be anything 
that they put in the place of God as, as a provision for humanity, for them. And I, I thought about that, and I wanted to close with Ma- Matthew chapter 6, but there was a lot, so we moved it to this week. But if you really believe that God is the one true God, if he is the most high God, then Matthew chapter 6 ought to be something that you rejoice in. So in our notes on Facebook and on YouTube, we, we put a little sermon summary of what's going to happen. And I put in there that the last few weeks we've been preaching pretty hard. And I felt like we've been preaching pretty hard the last few weeks. So I appreciate those of you that stick with me through the hard preaching. Um, but Christine made a mistake and said, we've been preaching pretty hard for years. And so I didn't know whether to take that as a positive or a negative. But uh, I, we corrected that. Just just been a few weeks. Um, but today, I, I hope to um, encourage you, encourage you to worship the one true God, the most high God. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to start right there. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is teaching believers how life is supposed to be, how we're supposed to live in the kingdom. So these are lessons of the life of somebody who believes in God as a Savior and as a provider. And so it begins with the Beatitudes, and they're called Beatitudes because it's an expected attitude that we should have. It should be our attitude. So the things that he teaches in this, in this, the start of Matthew chapter 5, are things that we should have as believers. If God is our one true God, if God is the uh, uh, God of salvation and provision, this should be our attitude. So if you look at, and, and, and I'll, I'll use this term, the word blessed, Uh, is translated as happy. So we should be a happy people. If God is our God, if he is our savior and our provider, we ought to be a happy people. So show your face that, because that would be really helpful. (laughs) You should be really happy. Why should we be happy? Because verse three says, though low on earth, we can be, and I'm not going to read the verse. I'm going to summarize what I take from it. And we'll get into verse six, chapter six, we'll read the verses. But in verse 3 of Matthew chapter 5, though you're low on earth, you're viewed highly by God. You should be happy because though you might not be viewed as great on the earth, God views you as great. It should make you happy that even if you feel like you're a worthless person or you don't have any value or you've screwed your whole life up, God does not look at you that way. He looks at you with value. In verse 4, though you're sad at times, we're seen by God. Those that mourn are comforted. Though at times you're sad, God sees what you're going through. That should make you happy that God's paying attention to the difficulties of our lives. Though we have nothing and at times are nothing, to God we're everything. The meek inherit the earth. Though we have nothing and at times are nothing, to God we're everything. Come on, that should make you happy. You may look around and say, well, if if I had this, It'd be better. No, no, no. God doesn't care what you have. God cares about you. Verse 6, if you're hungry to be right, he'll make us feel satisfied. And I thought about that. Have you ever noticed that when you do the right thing, it feels good? So he's teaching us in the Bible things that are right to do so that you'll be a, 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 live a better life. So you'll feel right. You ever feel wrong? How does it feel to feel wrong? Wrong. Sad, scared, you're worried about somebody finding out that you've done something wrong. But if you're right, you don't have to worry about that. That's why I always try to be right. 
so they never have to worry about being wrong. Because wrong sucks. Makes me happy to be right. So God, in his word, gives us a way to live life right so we don't have to feel wrong. Are you with me? That should make you happy. When we show mercy, we experience mercy. It's pretty simple. If, if we have this attitude of mercy towards people, we, we will experience mercy from people. We'll experience it from God, yes, of course, but we'll also experience it from people. If we live innocently, we see God more clearly. If we live innocently, we see God more clearly. Why? Because there's a purity that comes out of our innocence. Sometimes I think ignorance really is bliss. I hate seeing what's happening in our world. It's, it's ugly. And I wish I didn't know all the things that are going on. Because then I can just focus on the goodness of God, not on the evil of man. When we make peace, we do so because we know our place as sons of God. Listen, I don't have to fight my battles. I just have to call upon the one who will fight my battles for me. Right? I, don't gotta, I, I can make peace with you because I know if you're wrong, you'll have to deal with God because he's my dad. You want to deal with my dad? Go ahead. But you, I can make peace with you. I can have peace with you. I can be happy that, that I can have peace with you because I'm not, I don't have to defend myself. If we're persecuted for doing right, it just proves that we're part of the kingdom. If there's no persecution, it's probably because you're not trying to do right. I know it's funny. Uh, when I stopped drinking, uh, all my buddies got mad at me because I stopped drinking because they liked me as a drunk better than they liked me dry. I got persecuted for not being a drunk. Made my wife happy. Made my kids happy. Verses 11 and 12. I'll, I summarize it this way. The gospel ministry is dangerous. But you'll have great reward in heaven. We should be happy that we get to share a message of love and life and liberty through Jesus Christ. But not everyone's going to receive that. There's, there's, there's a lot of rejection in, in the gospel ministry. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ is dangerous. People will get mad at you. They'll leave you. They'll call you names. They'll do all sorts of things. Because you want to share the gospel with them. But my reward isn't that people like me. My reward is that people love Jesus. And when I get to heaven. I want to see people that I got to share the gospel with. Who are there not because of my work. But because of the work of Jesus Christ. And it's dangerous. That's why very few people share the gospel, because it's dangerous. But Jesus says, I've come that I might actually cause division in homes, in the, in the workplace, by the gospel. Not because you're being a jerk, but because the gospel will cause division. And I said all of that to get to this point. Because I, I, I hear this complaint, especially from the younger generation, that you, don't, you never get involved in preaching, that... It's just me up here yelling at you, and, and I enjoy it that way. It's really it's kind of the thing. Um, but I want you to participate today. So if you are a child of God, if you are born again, if you, are, if you belong to him, if God is your God, if he is the one true God to you, if he is the most high God, I want you to repeat this sentence with me, and it will be flashed on the wall, and we'll, we'll say it together. I'm a child of the most high God, and the most high God's for me. That came from a song. 
I don't know if I really like the song totally, but I love this statement. Because I'm a child of the Most High God, and the Most High God's for me. And I think it's important for us to remind ourselves of that, that that's who God is to us. He's not a false God. He's not a fake God. He's not an idol. He's not a false provider. He's a saving God, and he's a sustaining God. Verse 13, with this beatitude that we have of happiness, we salt the earth with flavor. Because we have this attitude from God. Have you ever noticed how you can either bring sadness into a room or joy into a room? Or somebody can walk in and just totally suck the life right out of it. We should have this attitude. This, this happiness ought to cause every Christian, every Christian that walks into a room, people ought to say, wow, where's that joy coming from? It's the attitude I'd be having. It's my beatitude. I'm a child of the most high God and the most high God's for me. Because of this, we let our light shine, letting people know that God is our Father. It's verse 14 through 16. I want people to know what makes me happy is not money. It's not fame. It's not popularity. What makes me happy is that Jesus Christ died for me. And God is providing for me through, through him. Because I'm a child of the Most High God, and the Most High God's for me. And I'm the only one saying it. <laughs> I'm giving you your opportunity, so take advantage of it while you have it. In verse 17 through 20 in uh, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus didn't come to destroy the law, but to finish it, to fulfill it. Jesus is going to keep God's word. Whatever God says in his word, it's going to happen. There's, there's, the scripture teaches that Jesus is going to come back one day, and he's going to take us off this rock. I can't wait, especially the older I get, the closer I want to get, the quicker I want him to come. Why? Because I'm a child of the most high God and the most high God's for me. He goes on and teaches that anger leads to the fires of hell. You ever notice that in your marriage relationship that anger just does not bring peace? brings lots of pain. But reconciliation brings life. No, get in a fight with your wife. Go to hell with her. And reconcile. What's better? Reconciliation or the anger? Reconciliation's better. Come to terms quickly with your accuser. Control yourself so you don't have to hurt yourself. Adultery hurts you. So you learn to control yourself so you don't have to hurt yourself. Be careful when you marry so that you can continue. That's Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 through 32. Be careful who you marry so you can continue. Let me just say this. I am 60 years old. I'm going to live to 75, so I've got 15 years to go. I plan on dying in that woman's arms. I plan on dying in that woman's arms. She thinks I'm going to live till 80. That's going to be horrible. <laughs> I love her, but I love Jesus more. But I'm planning on dying in her arms. 
Why? Because when I said that it's till death do us part, I meant it's death to, to us part. But I was careful who I married because it almost didn't turn out that way. Yeah, she's good thing she's laughing now. <laughs> Keep your word, whether it's a yes or no. Jesus says, you're going to be happier if you keep your word, if it's a yes or a no. Just, and I tell people this all the time. No is an appropriate word. It's just as appropriate as yes. Years ago, I was asked to pray before I stepped into this role. I was asked to pray, and I said no. So the pastor said, fine. I went home, and it stressed me out. And so I came to him that Sunday night and said, I'll pray. Tell me when to pray. I'll pray anytime. I just, I, I got to get this off of me. And he said, okay, three months, he never asked me to pray. Three months, I came to church, stood at a door, waved him down, I'll pray. He said, okay, so I knew it would happen someday, but it took him three months to call on me. Keep your word. I was ready when he called upon me. I think I prayed for three hours, I don't know. Turn the other cheek. Give them what they want. Go with them farther than expected. Verses 38 through 42. I'm going to say that one more time. Turn the other cheek. Give them what they want. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if God is your God, if he's your savior and your provider, turn the other cheek. Give them what they want. Go with them farther than expected. That's how we are supposed to live in the kingdom of God. Love those who love you because God did that with you. When you didn't love God, God loved you anyway. So love people that don't love you. Because one day, that love might turn them into somebody that loves you the way you should be loved. I'm a child of the Most High God, and the Most High God's for me. Verse 48. Live to be exactly like our Heavenly Father. When I was a little boy, I wanted to be just like my dad. And the only thing that happened that, to, that made that true is I've got hair coming out of my ears like crazy. And I've got this gut that I've got to watch really carefully. Because if you see pictures of my dad, you will see me reflected in the mirror. But I wanted to be like my dad. I wanted to be a logger. I wanted to be tough. I wanted to be... I, I watched him one day. I was about five years old. He ran his finger through a... In between a track and a roller. And it cut the end of his finger off. And he went in the house and taped it up and went back out and went back to work. I wanted to be that guy. I wasn't going to stick my finger in anything to hurt myself. But I wanted to be that tough. We should want to be like our Heavenly Father. We, sh we, sh we should want to love the way that he loves and care the way he cares and live the way that he lived, lives. See, if you're perfect like your father, you would never hate, slander, or speak evil of another person. Because God is not in heaven saying negative things about you. You would never lust in your heart or mind or covet anything that's not yours. Why? Because you wouldn't care about what you had if you were God. You would never make a false oath, but be completely truthful. Because there's nothing God has ever said that he has not kept and done. Every word of God is true. Always has been. Always will be. You would allow God to defend your personal rights and don't take it upon yourself to defend yourself. Why? Because he's God, not you. 
And you would always love those close to you, even if those close to you are your enemies. Why? Because he loves them as well. I'm a child of the Most High God, and the Most High God's for me. If I follow Matthew chapter 5, I'm two things. I'm happy and I'm holy. If I'm obeying Matthew chapter 5, if I as a believer in Jesus Christ have made God my Savior and God my sustainer, I am happy and holy. Who would not love to be happy and holy? How would you feel about yourself if you were, let's just set happiness aside for a moment, if, if you felt holy? If you felt good about yourself, if you felt like you're doing right instead of always feeling like you're doing wrong. Even if people treat you badly, the way you love them, the way that he loves, if you did that, how much better would you feel about yourself? I'm a child of the Most High God, and the Most High God's for me. Amen. Which brings us to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, that was five in a nutshell. Verse one. Don't do right just to show you're right. God's paying attention. Don't do right just to show that you're right. God's paying attention to how you're doing, how, the heart behind your rightness. Verse two. Don't do good for the praise or the praise is all you're going to get. Don't do good for the praise because the praise is all you're going to get. Wouldn't that suck to get to heaven and say, look at all these things I've done. He says, yeah, but you got all that praise on earth. That was enough. That's why I tell people all the time, don't thank me for a sermon because I don't want that praise from you. I want to get to heaven and find out how awesome it was. (laughs) Verses three and four. Make doing good so natural that you don't even know you're doing good. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Be it, make it so natural of doing good. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and God is your savior and God is your sustainer, then make doing good so natural. You don't even know you're doing good. Like you're so loving, you don't even know that you're being loving. You're so compassionate, you don't even know you're being compassionate. You don't sit back and say, look, I'm, I'm the most compassionate person I know. You wouldn't even know that because you're so, it's so natural to do that. Verse 5, when you pray, pray to get noticed by God. Why? Because if I pray to get noticed by you, you can't do anything with my prayers. You can say, that was a good prayer. I appreciated that. Thank you for praying that way. That was so beautiful. And then I get the praise so that I don't get the answer to the prayer. He just ruined my whole prayer. Pray to get noticed by God. Pray to get noticed by God. We should want God to hear our prayers. When you pray, make it personal, private, remove distractions, the other false gods. You know, and I hear this all the time, and I'm I'm not knocking anybody, but I am going to knock somebody. Because sometimes you're so busy that you can't even stop and give God some time. So you say, oh, I'd pray when I'm driving down the road. Well, I hope you're keeping your eyes open. <laughs> but you can't tell me you're not getting distracted by the little old lady who's driving in front of you. 
that you're cussing out, then, then now you got to ask for forgiveness <laughs> because of the thoughts that you're having about people. Driving. I'm just saying that if, if I was having a conversation with you, well, I was talking to somebody the other day. I, I should say it this way. I was talking to somebody on Thursday night, and I really wanted to hear what they had to say, but there was lots of kids that were running around. That's just kind of how it happens. And they were distracting me. And I felt like I was not paying, giving him the honor due uh, his name by paying attention to him because I was so focused on all this other stuff that was going on around me. I was trying to pay attention. I think God's that way. I think sometimes he wonders when we pray, are we really focused on him? Are we really looking him square in the eye? Are we looking at all the other stuff that's going around? See, we can't even give him that kind of time because we think we're, we think our idols that we worship are more important than the God that we call upon. See, you should want God to see you and respond and reward your request because you're looking him square in the eyes and talking to him saying, God, Father God, I love you. I, I need this. I need this. I need that. I need whatever your prayer request is. Are you with me so far? It goes on in verse 7 to say, when you pray, don't speak without meaning, all words and no thought. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said something that you, that you didn't think about and then you said it and thought, oh, why did I say that? We pray that way. Like we talk to God like we're idiots sometimes. Like he'll figure it all out. I mean, I wonder how stupid some of my prayers sound to God as I'm praying. Speak to him like you're trying to convey a truth to him. And speak to him in a way that makes you want, to under, want him to understand what you're saying. Don't make him figure it out because you don't got it straightened out in your own mind. And don't speak too much thinking that the more you say, the clearer the request. You know, the, the greatest two words my father taught me was yes and no. <laughs> Not no, no. And he didn't have to add anything to it. I, I tell parents all the time, you don't have to explain your yeses and your noes. You just have to say yes and no. But we feel like the more we talk, kind of the more understanding we're, he's going to gain. This is God we're talking to. He doesn't need you to keep talking and keep talking. I, I've listened to some people pray, and I'm not trying to knock you if you're one of these people. But some of you pray forever. <laughs> and you put me to sleep. And you can't tell me that we're expecting God to sit up there and pay attention to us as we're rambling on. Why don't you just say what you need to say? He can figure it out. Remember the prophets of Baal we talked about last week? They prayed for half a day. They prayed for half a day and got no movement out of their God. Elijah prays 62 words. Here's his words. In 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 36. O, God, o Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are, God in, you are God in Israel and I am your servant. And I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you've turned their hearts back and fire fell from heaven. 62 words, fire fell from heaven. 
I think it's in James where God says, Elijah is no different than you or me. That he prayed and he shut up the heavens. You have the same power, you just talk too much. That was free. In verse 8, this request for prayer is not for God. It's for us. He already knows that you have the need. The question is, whose God do you trust? Do you trust the one true God or do you trust the false God? Do you trust the most high God or do you trust another God? That's what he wants to know when you pray. Who are you really calling upon? See, I'm a child of the Most High God, and the Most High God's for me. I'm a child of the Most High God, and the Most High God's for me. So Jesus gives us the model prayer. Verse 9, pray to the Most High God. Don't pray to a false God. Pray to the Most High God. Pray that your request will glorify him according to his agenda, not your own. That his will be done. Pray confidently that God will sustain you daily. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us as an expectation. We expect God, if God is my savior and my sustainer, if God is my savior and my provider, then I'm trusting that every day God's gonna provide for me. When I pray, give me this day my daily bread. Like the children of Israel in the desert when God gave them manna and quail, he only gave them enough for the day. He said, if you take too much, you're going to get sick and I'm going to make you, I'll let you die because I want you to rely on me. So every day he would bring manna in the morning, quail in the evening, and then on the sixth day, you're supposed to double up on that and just have enough for two days. See, daily bread's not found in your bank account. But the daily provision of God revealing his presence every morning through provision reveals who God really is to you. Every day, do you wake up and say, give me this day my daily bread? Or do you say, oh, don't worry about it, God. I don't need it. I'll take care of it at my job. My idol will take care of it. Okay, that was fun. See, some of us never experience this because we're so flush with stuff that we don't need daily bread. Our fridges are so full. And I'm not saying empty your fridges. I'm just saying we're so full of stuff that our jobs have provided for us. Our families have provided for us. An elk has provided for us. <laughs> that we say came from God, but really you were hunting on Sunday and it didn't come from God, but that was... <laughs> Story for another day. See, when you don't have to ask for daily bread, God will bring a drought in your life so that you will need to call upon him to provide your daily sustenance. Because when the drought comes, there's no rain falls, and then you'll call upon the Most High God. 
We'll all go through dry seasons because we're not calling upon the most high God. We're relying on something else to provide for us. Our jobs, our, our culture, our government. As we said last week, let your God prove itself. Wait for the drought to see if your false God that you're relying on can actually provide for you. Or start praying for daily bread. Verse 12, forgive me for the sins I've committed to start, and I'll start my day by forgiving the sins committed against me. If you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. That's what he's teaching. If he's your savior and he's your provider, then one of the things we need to make sure we're doing is letting him take care of the sins of mankind and let us take care of our sins. Calling upon him to forgive us. And forgiving those who have been wronged us. Verse 14 and 15. I summarize it by saying. Make me like you God. Meaning I want to sacrifice my life for the sins of others. By releasing debts that are indebted to me. I want to be like God. I want to. <clears throat> if it costs me sacrificing my life. To forgive you of what you've done wrong. Because that's what Jesus Christ did for us. Right? That's what the Savior God did for us. Because I'm a child of the Most High God, and the Most High God's for me. Are you still with me? Verse 16 through 18. Make my faith so real that my flesh doesn't need to be fed by anything but from the Father. All I need is God. I don't need a cheeseburger. I may want a cheeseburger. I don't need a cheeseburger. This generation doesn't fast very much because we were so fat. I mean, we're given so much stuff that we never tell the flesh no. In fact, I was just talking to one of our um, Sunday school teachers today, and he works at the school, and he was saying how they can't tell students no anymore. No is a negative word. They have to find a way to say yes, turn it into a positive. We, we, we don't even tell our flesh no. Because our flesh has become a false god, an idol. We worship it. I'd, I'd do this, but the arms would flap down. <laughs> Hang on. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice, which would make somebody happy here. I'm a child of the most high God. Do you get what I'm saying there? If I'm a child of the most high God and the most high God's for me, I don't need to feed my flesh. I need the Father's love. I need God to speak to me. I need him to communicate with me. I need him to tell me uh, uh, what's true, not what my stomach tells me what's true. Verses 19 through 21, teach me to value what's truly valuable. What's truly valuable? What am I taking to the next life? There is nothing on this earth you're going to take with you. But how, much of, how many times do we worship the things of the earth, not the things of heaven? We celebrate these things. They are our idols. They are our false gods. When what he's looking for is loyalty, 
faithfulness to him. Verse 22, let me see hope. We should be a people of hope. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Help me to stand in a positive light. Let me be a positive. Listen, at your job, you should be the most positive person there. Why? Because I'm a child of the most high God and the most high God's for me. Make it clear. Here's verse 24. Make it clear that I cannot have two gods. There cannot be a God of salvation and him not be the God of provision. Money can easily become an idol and make, make me more devoted to it than the most high God. And I, I will promise you in the last, well, since January, I'm sure some of us have put money before the Messiah. We put money before God. Money can become an idol and we can get so devoted to it. And he says, you cannot serve God and money. You can't serve, you can't make it a false God and serve it and serve me. So let me make a statement that's gonna, we'll see. See, I told you guys I'm chopping down idols. So when you chop down somebody, somebody's idol, it makes them mad. That's why preachers don't like to preach on tithing because it makes people mad because you're chopping down somebody's idol. I'm cutting down the thing that you're worshiping the most and you think it belongs to you and it doesn't belong to you, it belongs to the Lord. The tithe is not a law. I'm just gonna help you with this real quick. This is, this is just a short notice, short note on this passage. The tithe is not a law. It started before the law was ever given to Moses and it started with Abraham. It did not start, it was, never became a law. They, the Jews made it into more of a legalistic statement. But the tithe is more of a truth teller. Who you're more devo devoted to, the God of provision or Baal? Who are you more devoted to? Money or God? That was fun, I can tell. I really, I should have brought an ax with me. See, I'm a child of the Most High God. And the Most High God's for me. I'm a child of the Most High God. And the Most High God's for me. What do I care about money? Why do I put so much emphasis on money? When I'm a child of the Most High God and the Most High God, my Father's going to take care of me. My father is going to take care of me. Why? Because I'm a child of the most high God and the most high God's for me. He loves me. Like it or not, I'm his favorite. I learned that from Becky. Now I'm throwing her under the bus. See, this is where the division happens. Where either God is the God of all or where we decide God is a God of limited power and influence in our lives. And we share it with other things like money. So where's the dividing line in your life? If, if the most high God is my God, the God of my salvation and my provision, 
then it goes on to tell us how we should be living our lives. If our God is the most high God and the most high God's for me and what you've been saying is actually true. Verse 25 says, I don't have to worry about provision. Because God of our salvation is also the God of my provision. And he says, you're worth more than anything else on the earth. If my God's the most high God and the most high God's for me, I don't got to worry about what's provided for me. He'll take care of it because he's my God. I'm a child of the most high God and the most high God's for me. Look at the birds. They don't work. They're not outside your house ball stressed out. My wife thinks the hummingbirds are all stressed out, but they're just naturally stressed out. I mean, they're always buzzing around. Like, calm down. Get off the caffeine. Are you not more valuable to him than them? Uh, Jesus is asking this question. This is, like, this is like, how stupid could we be that we think that he takes care of the birds, but he won't take care of us? How insult, insulting is that? That just tells me that your God's not the most high God. Because if he's the most high God, he's for you. And he cares for you more than he cares for birds. Can your worry make you live longer or will it kill you faster? This next generation, because of all the anxiety you guys are going through, you're going to die at 50 easy. Because you're stressed about everything instead of trusting in God to be, be your provider. I'm a child of the most high God and the most high God's for me. Why do you worry about something as basic as clothing? If God's going to take care of the garden, why wouldn't he take care of the gardener? Do you know when he created Adam and Eve, he put them in the garden to do what? To be the gardener. And he promised to take care of them. Even when he kicked them out of the garden because of sin, he still took care of them. They had to work at it, but he still provided rain. And then Noah came along and the rain got a little bit too heavy, but it's because they worshiped false gods. The problem isn't God's ability to provide. It's that we worship false gods and trust them more than the one true God. I'm a child of the most high God and the most high God's for me. And he goes on to say, oh, you of little faith. Is that the problem we have in the room today? That we just don't have enough faith to believe that God will provide for us? That we trust in everything else to provide instead of God? I'm just going to help you where God, I believe, is leading this church. It's going to require a lot of faith. So come with us or be left behind. Because I'm a child of the most high God and the most high God's for me. Why do you worry about what you don't have? Verse 31, and not see what you do have. Why do we spend so much time worrying about what we don't have when we don't even appreciate what we do? What do we have? We have the knowledge that Jesus Christ is our Savior 
and that God through him saved us from our sins. And then when he did that, we became a child of God. And when we became a child of God, he decided to take care of us and provide for us. He's going to make the rain fall. Unbelievers seek these things from false gods, but we have a heavenly father that knows we have a need of them all. God knows what you need. I'm a child of the most high God and the most high God's for me. And if you seek the most high God and his righteousness as the most high God, all these things shall be added unto you. The rains will fall. And as a child of the most high God, you'll never have to worry a day in your life. See, that some of you don't believe that. Because your God's not the most high God. My God's the most high God. I know what he's promised and I know what he's provided for. See, I believe Matthew chapter 6. See, because I believe Matthew chapter 6, I can live Matthew chapter 5. I can be happy. I can believe. I can be positive. I cannot worship. I don't need to worship false gods because I've got the one true God. Why would I waste my time worshiping anything other than the one true God? Psalm 37, 25. <clears throat> this spoke to me because it's true for me. This is a, this, I, could, I could have written this testimony. I have been young and now I am old. I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. God has never forsaken me one time of any need that I've ever had. He's provided everything. He has not provided the way that I may have liked or that I may have wanted, but I have not had to beg. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. His children are blessed, happy. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. This is where we're supposed to live. When we worry as a child of God, it's a sign that you're worshiping the wrong God. You're worshiping a false God, not the true God. In verse 34, I summarize that as faith in the Most High God requires daily worship. He requires that every day we, we call upon Him because we need Him to provide for us every day. Stop, listen. He's not promising to take care of tomorrow, though he does promise to take care of tomorrow. But he proves daily to take care of you today. He says, today is enough. Don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient another day is like, you got enough needs today to keep him busy. If we all called upon Jesus, or called upon God for the needs we have today, he would be pretty busy meeting those needs. And you're so stressed out about tomorrow. He's the God of salvation and he's the God of provision. And I'm a child of the most high God and the most high God's for me. Let me share something I probably shouldn't, but I will. 
I tend to be an oversharer. I pray short, but I share too much. I had a plan. I had a plan that by the age of 60, my role was going to change in the church. Still be a pastor, still be a preacher, but just going to change a bit. And then I was going to live out the rest of my days in ease, doing the fun parts of pastoral ministry. I don't know what they are, but I was... (laughs) I figured I was just going to grow old and ride my Harley and play with my granddaughter and play with my wife. Don't let that make you giggle. Going to do life with her. And if you've been around here long enough, the last year and a half has been kind of hellish. Almost died. Got gravely injured. You remember the, 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 the stool series? <laughs> Got to be careful saying that at my generation. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> where I preached from the stool. That was horrible. That was a horrible. I'll be honest and say that was a horrible series. And then this October, I found out that I have Parkinson's. And all of my plans went out the door. See, I was relying on what I thought my future was going to be. I thought I had it all figured out. I thought I had it all planned. I thought I had it all. I, was, I knew what was going to happen, and so I had it all set in motion. And God said, that's not the way I want to work it out. I think it's funny. You, don't, you might be uncomfortable laughing at God about that, but I'm okay with it. And I am struggling to see how I'm going to be able to provide for myself the way that I was going to be able to provide for myself in the, in the past. And God says, no, I want you to rely on me. There isn't going to be a day that I don't need to rely on the provision of God just to, just to get out of bed and get on with my day. Don't feel sorry for me. This is the humble me so that when God gives me something really cool, I'm not thinking, look at how awesome I am. I'm not, it's the Apostle Paul, I'm cool with that. But God's not just another God to me. He's all I have. And I'm not going to live another day without him. Because I'm a child of the Most High God, and the Most High God's for me. You say, but look at your life. Yeah, he's still for me. Let your God prove himself, because I'm going to prove you to who my God is. To you who my God is. If Baal be God, follow him. If the Lord be God, follow him. But make up your mind. Either get real about this stuff or be wrong about this stuff. If your God is not changing your attitude to a happy one or a blessed one, he's not the most high God. If your God, if the God in your life does not bring flavor to those around you, he's not the most high God. Like if you don't walk into the room and your spirit because of who God is doesn't bring uh, a flavor to the room, your God's not the most high God. 
If your God doesn't finish what he says he would finish, he's not the most high God. If your God's not a paying, paying attention to the rights, the, the good thing you do, he's not the most high God. He's paying attention to the good things that you do. If God's not worthy of praying to, if he's not worthy of removing distractions, he's not the most high God. If he's not worth meaning what you pray because you've thought it out instead of just rambling on, then he's not the most high God because if I'm going to approach the most high God, if I'm going to have the opportunity to approach the most high God, I'm going to have my thoughts thought out before I step into his throne room. How many of us just pray and we ramble on? We just ramble and ramble and ramble. Have you ever said that? I, I, didn't, I don't know why I said that. I prayed that and said, I don't know why I just prayed that. That did not make any sense. It didn't make sense to me. How am I going to figure out it's going to make sense to him? If God doesn't change the way you relate to people in love, he's not the most high God. If you don't love people differently, you're still worshiping an idol for provision for love. If God doesn't change your morality, he's not the most high God. Because standing in the presence of a holy God, you're going to want to be holy because he is holy. And you don't need to be told to change your morality. You, you do it because it's what God wants from you. If your God's not paying attention to the... I already said that. I got lost. If your God, when you pray, doesn't say, I know this, but I need you. I need you, God. Well, he already knows what I need. Yeah, but do you know who, what God you're calling upon? He's not the most high God. If your God is the most high God, you will pray that his will be done, no matter what it does to you. You will pray for daily provision instead of thinking that you have to have it all put away for your future because it can all go away in a heartbeat. You will pray for forgiveness of sins and forgive the sins of others. If he's the most high God, you will pray for forgiveness and you will forgive everyone who's wronged you. Because I'm not going to stand before the, an almighty God, the most high God, and tell him, well, I can forgive that, but I couldn't forgive that. And I hope that he doesn't do that to me. He said, well, you know, I can forgive that, but that, that's the one thing. You cross the line there, you're going to hell. Nobody likes that word. If your God's the most high God, you'll pay attention to your weakness so that he doesn't have to test you. If your God's the most high God, you will offer your life up as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's just expected that if he's the most high God, that you would offer your life up to him. Not all these other false gods. If your God's the most high God, your, your value will be what is truly treasure. It's what's truly valuable. What's truly valuable is honored from God. The hearing, not well done, Pastor Andy, but well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear that from him. I don't care to hear it from you. If your God's the most high God, you'll be filled with hope and be a light in a dark world. This world is getting so dark. 
And I keep asking the question, where are the Christians? Where's the light in this dark place? Where's the hope? Where's the happiness? Where's the holiness? And if your God's the most high God, you won't dwell in darkness because Jesus, the light dwells in you. If your God's the most high God, you won't have two gods and you'll prove it by the way you respond to other gods. If your God's the most high God, you won't be anxious about anything. But all you'll have to do is pray and he'll provide. Why? Because that's what he does. Just look at the rest of the things God's done, what he created and what he made, how he takes care of them. Are you not more valuable to him than them? You're more valuable than the birds, yet he feeds them. You're more valuable than the flowers, though he clothes them. I'm a child of the most high God and the most high God's for me. I'm a child of the most high God and the most high God's for me. All you have to do is seek his kingdom and these things will be added unto you. And you won't have to worry about tomorrow. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I got lots of reasons to worry, but I don't got to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. But I had to call upon him this morning and say, Father, what do you want me to do? I'm going to need strength. I'm going to need courage. I'm going to need confidence. That I'm a child of the Most High God, and the Most High God's for me. See, I just have to focus on today. Because I'm a child of the Most High God and the Most High God's for me. Are you? Is He the Most High God? I'm going to say it one more time. Is He the Most High God? Or are there other gods that you're worshiping? that cannot compare to him, that cannot care for you, that do not care for you the way that he cares for you. Imagine how different your life would be if you let God prove himself to you. Because 62 words of Elijah's prayer and fire falls from heaven and consumes the sacrifice. What do you need to pray that, need, that would have God rain down fire I think it starts with making my God the most high God and believe that the most high God's for me. Let's stand. Father, this was a lot. And in no way do I believe that anyone in this room is, are, are bad people. I believe that we struggle. We struggle with the other gods in our lives. 
And I just wish that rather than these people letting their false gods prove themselves, they would just ask the one true God to prove himself. That every day we would wake up and say, Father, give me, this, give me my daily bread. Be my provider for today. Provide me with happiness because I know that you're there. Provide me with holiness because I want to be right with you. Provide me with hope that the world doesn't have so that when I walk into a room, Father, I want the world to know that there is a God in heaven who is my Savior, yes, but my provider, yes. The false gods have already proven themselves in my life that they cannot sustain me and they cannot provide for me the way that you can. You give me a love that I don't deserve and a life that I desperately long for. A life of happiness and holiness because of hope. And I have to rely on your spirit this morning because my words are nothing. And I, I don't care to be anything in this moment. But I wonder if there's somebody in the room, Lord God, that just needs to call upon you and confess that they've been worshiping a false god and that they are going to start making you the most high God in their life. Because they believe that you care about them, because they believe that you want to take care of them, because they believe that you are there for them. My God is the most high God. And the Most High God, you are for me. And there are no other gods that I care to worship. Because they cannot sustain me or they will not provide for me the life that you will. So encourage our hearts today, Lord God. To set aside the false gods, to cut down the groves. To knock down the idols and build an altar for you. Because we want to be children of the Most High God. Because the Most High God's for me. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just need some time to pray, keep it summarized in 62 words and let the fire fall. What do you need from God this morning? You're made a child of the Most High God through Jesus Christ. Do you need to trust Jesus Christ to be your Savior? Have you been living like a child of the Most High God? Or you've been taking care of yourself? Have you stopped believing that God's for you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
He did not come into the world to condemn the world, but through the world might be through him the world might be saved. Call upon him. Father, let you be the most high God to these people here today. Let their faith be increased by their belief that you care for them and that you will care for them. We're supposed to cast all our cares on you for you care for us. Father, we love you. And we're grateful for you. but help us to remove the false gods in our lives that you may be the most high God. We love you so in Jesus we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Guys, thanks for your time today. Have a great afternoon. God bless.